This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Chrysal! It's Friday, it's six o'clock, there's a cat under my desk making funny noises, and it's Dragonheart! It's the week after Easter, a time when traditionally we all go to the supermarket to get expired Easter eggs, and the Wrexham manager goes to the transfer market to get expired strikers. Can you believe we've had a striker crisis for a week and nobody on the Facebook Wrexham fans chat has suggested Mark Hughes? It's not just up front that we've got injury problems, of course. Rob Lington was injured during a warm-up and Field of Sal was looking really good until Kyle Wooden caught his eye. Meanwhile, at the National League, there's a vote of no confidence in the board and on Tuesday, Brian Barwick, the chairman, resigned, leading to the worst lack of leadership at the National League since Monday. I'll be joined by Che Long. We'll be celebrating the 250 appearances of Jay Harris in a Wrexham shirt, looking back on our last couple of matches, but not in too much detail. It's too depressing. Reading through your suggestions for a striker from the past you'd love to see back in a Wrexham shirt, and hearing from a striker of the past, Jason Oswell. So, my wife's writing these intros now, so if you don't like them, you're sexist. It's time for Dragonheart. I'm Elliot Dorrell, and you're listening to the Dragonheart Radio Show. Well, hi then. Welcome to Dragonheart. I'm joined, as always, by Che Long. Hi, Che. Hello, man. How's it going? Yep, not too bad. Um, apart from the football, which is a yeah. shame, really, because that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. About the football well, and the injuries, you know. Also, the injuries and the actual football, I think. But we'll get into that more later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It's... Uh, we're going to change things around a little bit actually as well so rather than talk about the matches first let's talk about something nice and positive after this we'll have a chat about the achievements of Jay Harris in making his 250th appearance for Wrexham I'm Kerry Evans and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show so let's get cracking with Jay Harris then Jay Harris made his 250th appearance for Wrexham on Monday, and Jay, he's he's a hell of a servant for the club, isn't he? Oh yeah, a real fighter, real warrior on the pitch as well, isn't he? Um, yeah, one hell of a servant. Uh, Two hundred fifty appearances is huge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you think about, we've been going for what one hundred and fifty-six years. He's a thirty-seventh player to do it. I know that. Yeah. 37 isn't the sexiest number, I admit. Um, but it's, when you consider how many players have played for us, that in yeah. itself is a hell of an achievement, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's huge. Thinking all the squads over the last 10, 15 years, a hell of a lot of players who've played in and out for Wrexham. Mm. So yeah, 250 is, is amazing. Well, well, I've got to say, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm suspicious now. 
because I put the thing up on the club website, you haven't seen it, and yet you are anticipating perfectly exactly the point I made. Um, we've had a huge turnover, especially since we're National League. Like I say, so many players in the last few years who played for us, and I did a bit of maths on it. And since we joined the National League, we've had 156 players, I think it was, who stayed for a year or less. That's a hell of a lot. Um and then I thought you were down, going to say 156 from the first season. Uh, yeah, ever. <laughs> in the conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, really? Well, they're they're <laughs> all one-year players. And then it veers yeah, oh, down right. dramatically to just over 50 players who've lasted two seasons or more. Uh, when it gets to the top end, you've got one player who's, who's in his, who has had eight seasons and Harris, who's had seven, and only two have wow. had six, which shows how rare it is to actually get many players sort of sticking around at this level because you give them one-year contracts and it's not the most attractive level either, to be frank. Um, which players which players spent more time at the race course than Jay Harris in the conference? Oh. You'll kick yourself. This is the quiz section of the podcast, everyone. <laughs> oh. Is it really obvious? Um, yeah, sort of. Yeah, Sean Pearson? No, he is uh, up there, but do you have a clue? Go on, I have a clue. Well, currently playing for us. Currently playing for us? Yeah. Oh. Rutherford, no? Uh, No, but (laughs) I was just about to say... There's four players at the club who've spent a good chunk of time, four players right up at the top end of this graph of the longest time spent with this National League, which shows that you know Keats is achieving more continuity. But the, uh, yeah. the big one is the one you've missed out out of those four. Go on, tell me. Carrington. Of course, yeah, of yeah. course. Mine <laughs> went completely blank. Carrington, uh, signed by Andy Morrell. Andy Morrell's one signing who's still around. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. God, he's played, he's played for some time too, isn't he? I'll say. It's funny, isn't it? When you think yeah. about I realise now we're going to talk about Jay Harris and I'm like turning it into the Carrington show, but <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you think about, oh, I suppose both players, how they arrived at the club. Um, you know, when, well, I mean, at the moment we've got strikers on trial and we're thinking, you know, it's to see if they're any good because there's not many strikers that we're actually able to sign. But you can unearth some fantastic diamonds bringing players in on trial. Both Harris and Carrington were trialists originally playing in pre-season friendlies, admittedly in different circumstances, but they were both smart pieces of business. Carrington essentially had been playing in the Football League, didn't want to leave the Football League, but hadn't had offers. And Andy Morrell was very cute, I thought. He, He basically said to him, well, look, come on trial with us. I want to sign you, but, you know, I understand that if you want to stay in the Football League and you get an offer, fair enough, but you've already match fit anyway. So come with us pre-season. And Matt Rowell was aware that it was a, a time when players were, like I think we'll see a lot this summer, filtering down the levels because clubs were tightening their belts. And so yeah. I think Morrell played the percentages and figured that although Carrington was a Football League quality player, he probably wouldn't get an offer because Football League teams were, were cutting costs. And he was right. So Carrington stayed throughout the whole preseason, hoping to get a Football League offer. Didn't. He liked her at Wrexham. Mm. And he said, well, in that case, fair enough. I've had no offers. I'm staying. And that was a nice 
smart piece mm. of thinking, I think, by Morel. And he was player of the season in his first season for us, Carrington. Yeah, um, of course he Harris, was. Was I? Of course, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Harris was slightly different, of course, because he was banned, wasn't he? He, he yes. bet on a match and was banned. And so, therefore, it was maybe a cute piece of work by Dean Saunders to spot, well, he is a player who's should be playing at a higher level, but, you know, he's had a ban, so he's he's coming back on the market. He's a little bit of a gamble, but we took him on a trial. It was pretty, pretty obvious early on he was a good player. And so he snapped him up. But, uh, Didn't we get him from Chester? It was, uh, I want to say Altrincham. I think it was Chester before. With chest, right, okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, I could check actually when I say that. So I don't know why I'm just, I don't know why I'm speculating. Um, certainly, he was, he played for Chester in the season where their record yeah. got expunged, didn't they? I, I, I apologize. Yeah. You're right, dead right from Chester. Sorry. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. He's, he's come over, he came over to the right side then and become a legend for us. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> He had two seasons at Accrington and played 80-odd games for them in the Football League. Then he played for Chester in the team that got relegated from the Football League. And the Mm. next season played for them in that season when they went out of business. So he played for the first about third of the season, but then their record got expunged. So he hadn't played for a while as well. And yeah, we took him on and initially had five really good years out of him. He's the only... Well, hang on. Oh, is this not a good question? There are three players who have played in all three of Wrexham's Wembley appearances. He's one of them. And only two of those players started all three. Okay. They're all midfielders. Dean Keats. Correct. Keats and Harris, the only players to have started all three Wembley games. Oh, wow. The third one is slightly... Well, he was a very good player, but it's slightly, slightly surprising. Joe Clark? Mm. Perfection. Yeah, Joe Clark came on as a sub in the yeah. last minute of the 90 against Grimsby and started the other two. Yeah. Harris scored, of course, at Wembley, but in an FA Trophy final, we'd rather not mention. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I've wiped that from my memory. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. I was thinking about actually this morning thinking, maybe it's time now. We've had six years since he went to Wembley. Maybe I've actually got to the point where I can stomach us going to Wembley again. I've decided. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, definitely. Maybe. I, I don't really like Wembley either, but no. hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs> um, they need to put him in context as well. Here's a little list of some of the players that he's overtaken this season in our all-time appearances list. So this is the sort of company that he's keeping. Dennis Lawrence? Uh, Alan Dwyer, who was our left-back through the 70s. Barry Jones, who was our right-back when we got promoted in the 90s and then was a very good player in League One. Likewise, Martin Chalk, who's mainstay throughout the 90s, played in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Neil Ashton. And here's one, and we'll get back to this person later on when we talk about strikers. Our all-time great goal scorer, Tommy Bamford. Um, and just to have a think about this. So he's played, just, Bamford played just under 250 games for us. Harris, like I said, has overtaken him this season. And he's the only player to score over 200 goals for us. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad, is it, really? 
he's definitely one we will be talking about later for sure. Yes. Oh, you know, the club goal scoring records are basically Tommy Bamford. I mean, it's just terrifying. But yeah. yeah, when a player scores nearly a goal a game, they're very tasty. When they've done it over 250 matches, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that ridiculous stats. No surprise that he got a move to Man United. Um, and then players that he could overtake this season, just again to give us a taste for that. Another four games by Harris, and he's equaled Tommy Bannon. There's only six players, including Bamford, who scored over 100 goals for Axum in our whole history. Bannon is one of them. Five more, Tony Humes, so captain through the 90s. And just past that, Andy Morrell. So he's in very tasty company, isn't he? Yeah, definitely, he, you could definitely class him as a club legend for what he's done. Oh, yeah. Jay Harris, no um, FA Trophy in the FA Trophy winning side. That that's iconic enough, isn't it? Um, yeah. Being able to hold a trophy in Wembley, and Wrexham have only had two national trophies, haven't they? Really, and he's yeah. been been in one of those teams. So mm. they, you could class it being a legend just for being just for that. Yeah, it's it's almost as big as his Hollywood send off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. No, no, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, not, not quite, but getting there. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite uh, pictures is a very blurry, out of focus. Thanks, whoever took the picture, shot of me and Jay and the FA Trophy uh, in the, the sort of back backstage area, if you like, of the press bit at, at Wembley. Uh, <laughs> I'm chuffed with it, but I wish whoever taken it had held the camera a bit steadier. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, of course, with them is spectacular goals. Yeah. Um, and I've got to say, <laughs> I feel a bit weird saying this. Have you noticed this season how often he's got into great shooting positions and has passed? I mean, long range shooting positions. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed he, that. Is he making a conscious decision that he knows Luke Young is alongside him and he can draw people to him and then roll Young in for the shot? And is it a coincidence that Young's having his best season as a goal scorer with Harris alongside teeing him up like that, I wonder? Yeah, that, definitely. And it, maybe it's just a more of a maturity in his game now where he realises, you know what, mm-hmm. I'll lay it on to someone else, drag two p- people in. I would like him to have a couple of shots himself, uh, yeah. to, you know, have a go himself sometimes. Well, it was great that volley on Monday, wasn't it? It was unlucky. It was yeah. too straight, but it was a hell yeah. of a contact, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was. Should we remind ourselves of how good he is at shooting long range? Because when we relaunched the goal of the season trophy in 2013, he won the first one. So uh, a bit of a, a screamer against Barrow. So yeah, a blast I, from the past. I remember this. This is, this is, this is me and Andy Parkinson commentating on it. Uh, if you don't like blasphemy, watch out, because I do kind of lose it a little bit. Ashton rolls into the half-hour, Matisse has dropped off, and it's a good ball. Hunt on the overlap, taking on Flynn, who just committed himself for a moment. That allows Hunt space to put in a cross, which is sliced clear, but Walker can't quite get to it. Poor clearance, though. Harris 30 yards out, tries the long-range shot. Oh, my God, what a goal! There's your goal of the season. Out of nothing. That is sensational. When Harris shaped to hit it, I thought, don't be stupid, you're too far out. In off the left post, Jay Harris hits the net and right in the postage stamp, top corner, in off the post. Andy, goal of the season. Very much so. That was just one of those magic moments. I was actually thinking to my mind, he's going to hit this. And I hope he doesn't let it go. 
Uh, you could tell from his body position he was going to put a lot of power behind it. It swerved nicely as he went past the keeper and into the top corner. As you say, that is probably Wrexham's goal of the season tonight. Oh, wow. That's uh, really not bad, is it? <laughs> what a team. What yeah. a goal. Because uh, yeah, that's up there my top goals I've ever seen live. Yeah. It's such a clean hit, isn't it? You can see just the, just the the trajectory of the ball. Just oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> just perf- perfectly hit. That you'd, you'd you'd have to take a class keeper to stop something like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't, can any keeper stop those? No. I don't know. No. You know, I'm a I'm a goalkeeping uh, fan, uh, having been a failed goalkeeper, and Lev Yashin, the famous uh, Soviet Union goalkeeper. In the fifties, ooh. The ooh. one thing which was needed. Hang on, hang on. Has... Beg your pardon. I've. Uh... <laughs> that was me making that strange noise. Then sorry about that, everyone. Uh... <laughs> I'm not me personally. Jeez, if it was, I'd be I'd be for calling an ambulance. Um, yeah, Lev Yashin uh, reckons with that analytical, sort of a scientific, progressive Soviet way that all shots could be saved as long as you were in position. I think Jay Harris is the proof that that's not necessarily the case. You probably would have had to stand on the on the post and yeah. wait. <laughs> Literally wait to tap it over. That was a, an incredible yeah. shot. You'd have to be incredibly out of position to be in position for that one. If that was yeah. your normal yeah. position for long-range shots, you'd let a hell of a lot of them in, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, it'd be, be saving like the one in... A thousand shots. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's the XG on that shot? I want to know. <laughs> I reckon you're right. 0. 0.001 probably. The XG would be ridiculous on that shot. <laughs> if you're listening, Opta, get out more. <laughs> um, also, oh, um, back to the quiz questions. And here's an illustration of how we've not had stability uh, for a long time, there's only two players who have made played more games for Wrexham than Jay Harris this century. So again, that really puts him into context. Obviously, Carrington's one of them. Yeah, Andy Morale. Not Morale, no. Um, oh, hang on. Oh, beg your pardon. It was league games I was talking about. Right, okay. Hang okay. on, I'm wrong, aren't I? Oh, no, 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 I, I, right, right, I correct myself. <laughs> Some of Morel's appearances were in the 20th century. That's how old he is. Right, okay. So in the 21st century, Harris is ahead of him. Morel, he says, sneakily looking at his figures, is fifth. Oh, I... So I buy you some thinking time by going through the names below him. Um, uh, Harris is third. Ashton, fourth. Morel, fifth. Lawrence, sixth. Sean Pedgick, 7th. Chris Llewellyn, 8th. Carlos Edwards, ninth. Mark Jones, 10th. Hector Sam, Paul Rutherford. Right. So two more. There's two more. There's so one Carrington's more. Carrington one. is one. Carrington is second. Simon Spender? No, he's not in the top 20, I'm afraid. Oh, no. Oh, is he not? He, he's, no. he's, oh, right. I've got the top 20 in front of me. So, No. Mind you, Spender played in the 20th... Like, also played a few games in the 20th. Yeah, he did, didn't well, he? Didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he did. Oh, I'm thinking off the top. I have no idea. Baron Ferguson. Of course. Yeah, of course. Ferguson. I thought that was too obvious. 
<laughs> he did arrive in the 20th century. He, well, well, just before he arrived in 1999-2000 season, part of the way in. So almost all his appearances came this century. And so in the 21st century, he played 334 games. Wow. His first goal, Ferguson, and I didn't realise this until I was actually looking this up, um, was the Middlesbrough goal for us. And I didn't realise that. Um, So, yeah. So Ferguson, then Carrington, then Harris. Carrington's not that far ahead. Uh, Ferguson, like I say, is, is, uh, is yeah, nearly a hundred ahead. So uh, he's a he'd be quite a target to try and reach. But yeah, Jay Harris, uh, I think it's fair to say a proper club legend. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely right. Well, after this, we'll move on to do the the dirty work. We'll look back on our rather bad Easter weekend. Jordan Pondicelli, and you're listening to the Dragon Art Radio Show. Right, so let's get on with it. Two games over the Easter weekend, two defeats, and maybe more relevant, lots of injuries. Um, just to give an, an extra edge of terror to this section, my big cat, Laszlo, is wandering around near where we're recording on the table, so any noises you hear or explosions will be down to him. Just causing mayhem. So, uh, yeah, this this feels like a segment I'm not going to enjoy. But never mind. Let's, let's crack on. Um, well, the noises could be us two screaming as well. Yes. In ang- yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I'm in a turmoil just coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Notts County first. I mean, that was... Yeah. Well, well, maybe we should take everything in order. Day before, Kwame Thomas does his Achilles. Incredible yeah. blow, that. Yeah, well, uh, out of all the players on the on the squad, that sounds awful. He was probably the worst mm. to have because he was sort of the spine of our attack, wasn't he? Yeah. Where everything was coming from, he's the holder play, he scored goals. Uh, yeah, and we didn't really have... And, and, and Ponticelli did a fantastic job. Yeah. The first 10, 15 minutes he played, or whatever it was he played, mm. um, against Notts County... But losing Kwame Thomas, what what a hell for us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the good news of Ponticelli is that it sounds like his injury isn't as bad as we first feared. So he's hopefully going to be back for the Halifax game. But, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Thomas is the player we can probably afford to lose least. I would argue, I mean, partly because of the way he's playing. He's just, he's just on yeah. fire. And also, like you said, because of the, the levels of cover. So, for example, Lainton's a great keeper, but Dibble's a good keeper. So, you don't want to lose Lainton, but Dibble can step in, as he's shown. There's, you know, centre-backs, we can afford, or we don't want to, to lose a centre-back because we've got good strength and depth. But, frankly, maybe the, the player we can't afford to lose alongside uh, Thomas would be Hall Johnson, I think, in a way. Yeah. Simply because, although we've got good cover in that area... Horsfield and French are different types of wing-backs. Um, Hall Johnson gives you that attacking thrust. If we lost record, that would be a blow, but Jordan Davis could play there. So, yeah, yeah, Thomas, I think, is the player we'd lose the most. And then, of course, we've got the controversial situation of, well, well lack of strikers. And I think it may be worth quickly going over again, the fact that it's a situation that, well, you know, I'll call it like it is. 
was created by Adios of not playing fair with us. Yeah, you know, we, we've loaned Bickerstaff out because we got four strikers, and then that same well, day, the thing, yeah. exactly the thing is, if if Adios, if surely you would have had grumbles. Uh, I don't like to criticize players too much because I think you know he's gone on a two-year contract, and that's for him and his family um i'm 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 not going to disregard that at all but if he would just let this club staff knew that this is what's going to happen even in the morning before we let big staff go i'm not sure then we yeah then we maybe could have kept hold on like a few days before but maybe it was just just a last minute offer by chesterfield well maybe i'm i think it was i i i I want to be fair with yusuf i think it was i think as i understand it and a few people have said this to me who know, so I think I'm confident I'm right in this. The the chronology is Bickerstaff deal is, has been put into motion when we've got five strikers because we've just brought in Angus. Um, when the players get on the coach, there is no offer from Chesterfield and then the offer comes in while we're on the coach. And I, I do, yeah, you are right. Yeah, uh, Yusuf has every right to, to think about his family and put them first. I do totally get that. Um, the thing is that Keats was clearly trying to play fair by him. We didn't have to release him. It was written into the loan contract that there was no re- recall. So we could have said, we're keeping you. Um, Keats said he'd let him go as long as he could bring somebody in. And it seemed he could bring somebody in. So that's why I let, you know, why Yusuf stays at the service station ready to travel in either direction. But this is where I've got an issue with Yusuf. Keats is trying to play fair with him. And Yusuf says, and Yusuf just gets in the taxi and goes to Chesterfield without saying anything. Now, that, that that's not great, is it? For Keats to phone Yusuf up to give him an update and then find that, well, he's already gone. Well, this puts Keats in an impossible position where he's, you know, you don't want him at the club anymore then, do you? His head's not in the club. He's going to, he, if he stays, and we could have forced him to stay, we'd have a very unhappy player on our hands. And yeah, I, I, I just. There's a lot of managers who just said, no, you're not going. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, there's a lot of managers who yeah. just said, no, you're not going. Yeah, you could have uh, said, tough, you're on the coach, you're going to Eastleigh, you're playing at Eastleigh, we don't have to let you go and get lost. We could easily have done yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Keat, um, um, was being really good. Him really wasn't he in many ways. So, I, it's it's really come to bite us mm. in the real business end season now. Um, you know, if we had if now, we, it would have been still a striking crisis. It wouldn't have been as major as it is to the extent it is. But thankfully, as as you said, Ponticelli's extent of Ponticelli's injury is is not so bad. But the thing is, that we don't want to race him straight back into the team just in mm-hmm. case he gets injured again that's very true uh, I mean the frustrating thing is those 28 minutes of Ponticelli managed we look great at Notts County yeah and, and, and that, the Excellent. annoying thing is I guess that's why we both said the injuries feel more important although it's felt like things have fallen apart a bit actually the two performances weren't that bad and certainly on Friday that game should have been won after 15 minutes yeah. And I think if we, I think even if we'd only got one goal in that good early spell, we'd have won it because yeah. we would have because we'd have demoralised Notts County, like we said in the preview last week. And you know, I, I just think we'd have carried on pressuring them, and even after Ponce Charlie got injured. And it, it was when when I seen him go down as well. It was oh no, it was yeah. like one of them, wasn't it? Everyone was like, oh no. Uh, 
but we were we were by far the better side the first first part of the first half. But I think we just looked lost once Pontelli. Yeah. There was a big segment in the game where we looked a bit lost, didn't we? Once Pontelli went off, and that's not Durrell's fault because Durrell's not a natural striker. So, yeah, exactly. It is what it is. We adjusted to the box midfield, and it didn't really. We lost that momentum, but we weren't in any trouble either. Apart from that one yeah. header off the line by Jay Harris, uh, they didn't threaten. And then after the break, I think we tried to push uh, Durrell a little higher. And well, we had our moments. Durrell nearly scored. The shot that just got deflected wide. Yeah. Um, and frankly, it had nil-nil written all over it because we, we weren't, I didn't feel under any real threat. And then we got sloppy from a set piece, which is really frustrating because a draw would have felt a bit disappointing in that in that performance and we didn't you know we certainly didn't deserve to lose it I didn't think I thought the player climbed over Vassal a little bit as well yeah uh, to get yeah. the ball you, you could I know maybe it was a bit of a harsh foul but you could have claimed that being a foul uh, but yeah it was so disappointing I thought not to count a bit didn't look that great to be honest yeah. and I, I think if we full strength uh, Kwame Thomas um, play, I think we probably would have buried them in the first half yeah and I, 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 I feel the same about the Torquay game not in the first half but I think if Thomas had been playing in the Torquay game I think we'd have won that um, just to go back to North County briefly the other shame yeah. about about that is that we have I think kick-started them because they were struggling yes. under their new manager. Confidence was slipping. They, they had a bad result in the FA Trophy. They then lost at home to Aldershot and hadn't created much. Then we've kept them under control. And even though we've got an injury that's really affected how we're playing, they're not threatening. And I think that not winning that game would have continued that sense that they're, they're toiling, whereas they've gone now and got a good away win on, on Monday. And they've now started to build some momentum. And that's a shame because I, th- I feel a bit like we've kick-started a rival there by conceding that goal. So that was a pity. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, it, especially with Notts County, the Notts County, so we were, we were the better side throughout the whole thing. And But hey-ho, it, it, that's football. That, that's why we love the sport. Sometimes that, that happens to our teams, doesn't it? When we yeah, get a yeah. goal in the game when we don't des- yeah. necessarily deserve it. So, yeah. It's the beauty of the sport. Notts County is one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, not, Notts County but leading into the let, let's lead into the Torquay game now because yeah. that was another sort of frustrating game, wasn't it? Where it was cold and windy, and they, they, they first part of the first they were all over us from what I can remember, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, 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 something I'm noticing this season, I don't know if, I, if I'm right or not. There have been quite a lot of games this season that have been massively affected by the wind. And yeah. I think watching it on the stream doesn't bring across quite so clearly how bad it is. Because I was looking at editing the highlights afterwards and the footage sort of looks like a normal game of football, to be perfectly frank. Whereas I mean, yeah. you and I would confirm that, especially in the first half, that wind that Torquay's backs, I mean, they won the toss and switched ends to take advantage of it. Uh, that was very strong, and it was really making football difficult, I, I would argue. Yeah, another thing was that they threatened, but they didn't really have any real clear, clear opportunities either, did they? Which was exactly. also yeah. quite frustrating. I mean, by um, this point, we've we lost... Well. 
Yeah, by this point, we've lost Vassell out of our defence, so really nasty-looking injury at Notts County. We've also lost Leinton in the warm-up against Torquay. Everything's piling up. Yeah. Which was bizarre, because I remember, that's Dibble. So you, yeah, yeah. Like, on, on, on stream, we were like, yeah. like oh yeah, that, that's Dibble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's yeah. he doing there? I'm sure he's on the team sheet. But... Uh, but to be quite honest, the Leinton, yeah, as, as much as I think Leinton's our best keeper and he's on the best, I think... Dibble coming in is not like so drastic, is it? Because yeah. I still think Dibble is a solid keeper and, can, and done a fantastic job for a lot of this season. Mm. Any, yeah, he's, same with Carrington. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're yeah. players you can fall back on. We got players injured, you can bring them in. Fine, that, that's okay. The problem with Angus is that we only have one striker left now, and you would think that he's not a striker who would want to play on his own up front just because of his style. Although to be fair to him especially in the first half against Notts County when he was very isolated. Uh, Dior Angus did a cracking job trying to take the game to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Dior Angus was, played really well against Torquay, mm. all things considered. Because I think he's sort of striker that does the work for the other striker, if you mm. mean. He, he, he's, um, he's very lively and energetic. And I thought he played really well, but mm. I just don't think he had the support behind him. I think Jordan yeah. Davis had a fantastic game. But I think Jarvis was... A bit lost, wasn't he, from yeah. the game where, where he was playing? It was a shame because that was the position he looked so brilliant in last season. And, and we all know there's yeah. a bit of a debate at the moment. Plenty of Wrexham fans saying that Jarvis should be playing all the time. And I'm certainly a massive fan of his technical quality. Um, but he didn't take that opportunity. There will be other opportunities, yeah. but he didn't take that one. Whereas Davis did. And in the second half... Yeah, again, we were similar to the Notts County game, Davis, maybe because we're responding to the wind this time. We're attacking more, and he played more like a striker, playing quite a lot back to goal. And, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where watching the game, you're thinking, ooh, you know, we're a little lucky to still be in this, because, like you said, Torquay dominated the first half without necessarily making lots of chances, although they had shooting chances on the edge of the area, and they did have that one great-headed chance where Hall just couldn't, reach it high enough to yeah. put it in an open goal. Um, but having done that, uh, you know, we hit the... Well, Davis himself hit the bar, hit the post, yeah. had a header cleared off the line. Angus had a good shot across the keeper as well. Keller had a good flick header that the keeper made a good save from. Record um, was one-on-one with the keeper, but with an awkward bouncing ball, which he did well to get on target, and the keeper made another good save. We made the chances in that match, and at the end, it was us throwing Sean Pearson on and piling it on, who looked like we were the team that would get the winning goal. Yeah, we, we did. But I, well, you know, we, one thing I'd like to comment on is that I think the quality of football by both sides was pretty poor as well. I yeah. think yeah. on on that day, it was it was a poor game of football. Uh, Jamie Record and Riesel Johnson's final balls. Just, weren't quite there, were they, that day? And I think on other days we would have maybe found ourselves in better position, especially with Kwame Thomas. That Kwame Thomas was playing that game. Yeah. It would have been a completely different game. Um, that comes back to what I was thinking earlier, that Thomas, I think, in those, the wind... I mean, I, th- I think a, a lot of the low quality of that game was down to the weather, not just it affects the ball in the air. It affects players' balance when the wind's that strong. You know, players make mistakes because of that as well. Um, but the thing is, one of the most obvious ways the wind affected it was defenders were struggling to head the ball clear, weren't they, when they were defending the cop end mm. because the ball was hitting the wind and hanging and wobbling and it was difficult for them to judge. And I just thought, yeah, even with no one on them, 
they're sometimes misheading it. With Kwame Thomas on them, oh, God, centre-backs would have a nightmare. And I really think Thomas would have been a fantastic weapon to have in that match and we'd have scored. Uh, but you know we didn't have him. I wonder if that links to what you're saying about the wing backs as well, because Dean Keats was saying about how he'd worked with Hall Johnson because Hall Johnson at the start of the season was getting into fantastic positions, trying to stick perfect crosses in and, and overhitting them or putting them out of play. Yeah. And he basically was working with Hall Johnson, saying just put it into an area because we got players like Kwame who can attack it. Well, maybe on Monday. He and Record are thinking, right, we've got to go back to our original approach. We can't just put it into an area for Kwame to, to launch himself at because we don't have him anymore. We've got to play a more accurate crossing. And it's when you're trying to play that perfect cross that the margins of error suddenly become a problem, yeah, don't they? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Another person I'd like to say played really well is Rutherford when he came on. I thought yeah. he had an excellent game. But he put in a, considering he's not played in so long, he's coming. He's a real professional Hard work and shifting, didn't he? He's like a Terminator, isn't he? <laughs> uh, a smaller version, I'll admit, um, but less well armed. But he, he just no matter what, he just puts him on the pitch, and he just he's just relentless. He just carries on doing exactly what he does. I, I love Paul Rutherford. He's such a great professional, and even when he's not in the the squad, he's still for me. I'd want him around. I think he's a brilliant example. He's the right character. And if needed, you throw him in, and that's what he'll do. As, as, yeah, absolutely. He was terrific, wasn't he? And I, I think that merits a, should merit a start in the next game, personally. Yeah, I, I think he looked looked excellent. Um, should we get on to their goal? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, can I just say something quickly about Rutherford? Yeah. Before we go on. Yeah, go on. I just want to put off talking about their goal, don't I? Let's be honest. But, um, I mean... Right, firstly, it's interesting your point about should he now get a start because he actually made that box midfield. I know I know Davis was a bit further forward, maybe he shouldn't quite call it that in the second half, but he certainly injected more energy into it. Now, Jarvis is great on the ball uh, and, and a, a lovely player. I'm not knocking Jarvis at all. Rutherford brings something very different. He brings loads of industry. He brings a lot of movement. And I wonder if actually, if we play the box midfield, we should consider Rutherford in one of those advanced positions alongside Davis. You know, his diagonal runs confuse defenders. The fact that he's at them all the time means that our press is better. You know, Keats in the past has deliberately deployed Rutherford high up the pitch as a sort of first line of defence measure to help a press to stop teams from passing out from the back uh, very effectively. So maybe that's a way, maybe that is a possible way forward. I think that's quite an interesting idea. I also would say that, I just, I'm sorry, I've just got to say, because I'm a nerd, I just love that stat that Rutherford played his 175th league game for Wrexham on Monday for the second yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, because he, he did it, his previous appearance was his 175th, but then the Dover game was expunged, so he played his 175th again on Monday. I quite like that stat. I just, I'm, I'm just sad. Would it, would it be if Kel Husk was on Saturday, for example? Yeah. Would that be his second first goal of the season? Yeah, that would be his second first goal for Axel. <laughs> he scored his first goal for Axel against Dover, and he scored his first goal for Axel against uh, Torquay, yeah. 
Which we we're, yeah, we're, we're doing everything to um, not about that goal now, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. Can I just yeah. say as well? I love the way Callagher even tried to recreate the goal. It was exactly the same thing: free kick in or ball, yes. street ball in, and then jumping and flicking it backwards. <laughs> it's exactly the yeah, same yeah. Thing. goal as well. I, I like that. I like it's a, a commitment there to to recreating the great moments of the game. I love it. <laughs> right, yeah, Torquay did score, didn't they? Yeah, uh, and it was was it the ninety third or ninety second yeah. minute or whatever it was? Yeah. It was a throw in, and they didn't really utilize the long throw for game, did they? From no. what I can remember, not at all. It was the first yeah. one they did. Yeah, and they put it in, and then it sort of bounced in the box, and uh, yeah, went in. <laughs> Just one of those, wasn't it? Where you don't get rid of the second ball. Um, yeah, I, I used to. It's I, I think Curtis Obeng. To, without realising it taught me a lot about the value of long throws you don't these days it seems to me tend to score many goals from long throw-ins but you you create a second ball yeah. that has to be dealt with and that's what Torquay did so the, the long throw itself was purely to get the ball into that part of the pitch yeah. it's the fact we didn't deal with the second ball which I guess with the wind playing tricks means it's probably less likely you'll get a clean header on it um, but Obeng I felt his long throws never came to a chance immediately, but the number of times that that team scored because the other side didn't get the ball away properly from an Obeng throw-in. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like a pre-assist in some ways, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what they did to us, and it was a shame. And it's a shame as well, because it was pretty much it was pretty much straight at Dibble, and on another day it would have got stuck under his body. But to be fair to him, it was hit very hard, from fairly close in and he was unsighted so I don't think you can point the finger it was saveable mm. but I don't think you could say it's a mistake it's just one of those that sometimes keepers save but they, they don't get much time to react to it it's it's, it's, yeah just saved it it would have been a pure reaction save where his body yeah. just hit his shin or something because yeah. it, you're not saving them it was it was, a, it was buried it was a well worked goal by Torquay yeah. they, they've obviously have that in their locker let's not use it all the time but let's mm. just use this long throw last minute of the game uh, the, the worst part about it was I think we deserved points against Notts County and I think we probably merited the point against Torquay as well yeah, yeah. we've dropped we've, <laughs> we've dropped four points in my, in my opinion uh, I I would argue possibly six. I've got to say, we should have won at Notts County for me. And, you know, okay, on balance, probably a draw is fair enough to talk game in that they were better in the first half, but we were better in the second. We didn't dominate the second half as much as they dominated the first, but we actually made a lot more chances than they did. And that's what actually, that's what leads to goals, isn't it? Um, But uh, the problem is that well, they just wouldn't go in for us. I don't think they were misses as much as they were against Notts County. Uh, Giants cat alert. Oh, yo, 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 yo. But, all right, lads, little lads, calm down. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, but, he, you know, we were, we sh- you know, at that point, I mean, we just that second brought Pearson on up front. We were really going for it. And credit to Torquay, like I said, I assume they've not used that long throw because they see it as something you use when you're throwing a kitchen sink at a team. And credit to them that in added time, when you would think really they'll be looking to hang on now because we are putting so much pressure on them, they think, oh, but we will stick long for it. We will go for the win. So to be fair, credit to them for not saying, well, let's keep all our centre-backs on the halfway line. 
let's just keep it here. We've got a good clean sheet here. Let's just, you know, so to be fair to them, their positive attitude paid off. Um, and it, the worst part about it for me is like, oh, it's just, we, losing to, I, I can take losing game, go, mm. games, but when you lose to a last minute goal, there's not much worse in football, is there really? Yeah. Because if, if you, if, see the goal in the 70th or 65th minute yeah. and you lose the game your brain sort of you sort of get ready for the loss don't you yeah exactly but, yeah yeah but when i was thinking oh we've, we've got i was thinking country oh, we've got a draw as in my head i was thinking we've got a glory it's not it's not the end of the world but it's not the best result and then oh they score yeah but that's enough of that i talk about them scoring the last minute again now <laughs> Yeah, let's move on from that unpleasantness. Although I yeah. will say that it's all it all sort of stems from Dean Keats making a phone call and finding out that Adi Yusuf is on a taxi to Chesterfield, which is um, ironic because I'm sure taxi to Chesterfield is like a an RSPCA-approved phrase for telling a child that the pet tortoise has died, isn't it? <laughs> Where's Jeffrey? <laughs> you won't be seeing Jeffrey anymore. He's on a taxi to Ch- Chesterfield. I'm sure it is. Or Chuck... Or chucked off St. Giles's roof. Oh, yes, that one as well. Oh, oh. <laughs> why am I, what, yeah, this is something. Why am I bringing up tortoises all the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I need to think about this. I haven't brought up pigeons yet. Tortoises and pigeons seem to be my two creatures of the season. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but if, if you ever have seen a light pigeon, please get in touch. Do pigeons even exist at night? If you've never seen a pigeon at night, can you prove they exist? Do they only exist during the daytime? Disprove me, people. <laughs> Chase it down. I've never seen a pigeon in the night before. There you go. Well, I've there seen we one, and it was at the Wrexham game. I think the one that you had to miss. There was a nice pigeon, <laughs> and I got very right. excited during the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of things we we haven't seen in the race course, the last the last game was a striker other than Diorans. Oh, so, well, smoothly <laughs> done. Sometimes you have to rely on your co-host to get you out of the fact that you are talking about pigeons and tortoises. <laughs> so you're quite right, Shane. We haven't seen any many strikers around lately. So after this, let's have a chat about which former Wrexham striker we'd love to bring back into the squad now to help us out with our injury problems. The other side, and you're listening to the Dragonheart Radio. Well, we asked on Twitter for your suggestions for a all ex Wrexham striker that you'd love to see come back to help us out in this situation, and we got some fantastic suggestions. So let's have a let's have a little look through them. Um, Shag Fanzine, top Fanzine, uh, suggested Gary Bennett because he was ruthless. And this was an idea that got a lot of uh, traction. Gareth Evans, yes. Blue ticked, blue ticked Wrexham fan Gareth Evans said Psycho as well. His first ever football hero when he was a kid. Excellent choice, excellent choice. Um, Ant Williams says Gary Bennett, 100%. Moz Morris, Gary Bennett, Dixie, or Lee Trundle. The reason goals come naturally 
to them. There was a, a fair amount of support for Danny Wright, which is interesting. I think the answer yeah. sort of split between um, Dream Player, who's obviously retired, or as a point out, at least one case, dead. Um, it's like Mr. Burns putting together his baseball team, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back left eye Mordecai. <laughs> um, Excellent. And then realistic sort of current players that it could feasibly handle, mm. they won't. So Owen Bradley say, but how we've been playing with Kwame as a target man, and that's also a consideration. People looking at replacing Kwame or just bringing in a great striker. I feel like Danny Rice would be perfect right now. Um, also, Rob saying, I'd go for Danny Rice. He'd suit us for how we play now. And he's a bit of a handful when he played for us. A sound choice would be Scott Quigley, him and Angus. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And of course, they did well together at Barrow. Um, yeah. I- I've always been a fan of Danny Wrights, and I'd have loved to have kept him, I've got to say. We saw him on, on Monday, of course, coming back from injury. But he would be the correct sort of like-for-like replacement, I yeah. think, for Thomas. And it won't happen, but he would be the right type of player, wouldn't he? Yeah, he was excellent, wasn't he? On um, Was it... What day was it again? Monday. Yeah, it is confusing. He was excellent on Monday and he, he was a real handful, wasn't he? I thought if he was wearing a red shirt, that we would have got a goal, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a nuisance as well, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's clever. He'll pressure players. He'll force mistakes. He makes the ball stick. Cracking play. Here's a nice one from Felix and Devotion. Uh, our frenemies... <laughs> uh, so he's normally plump for Benno but seeing as he'll be a shoo-in I'll go for Matt Derbyshire there's a call absolute That's fox call. in the box and has gone on to have a pretty impressive career underrated then underrated since yeah absolutely yeah. Matt Derbyshire class player brilliant Is it, doesn't he play, wasn't he playing in Greece for a little bit yeah yeah and he was very successful yeah. Panathon Icos he played for didn't he yeah uh, yeah Excellent. <laughs> Consistent goal scorer, good technique. Yeah. And although a different type of player to the sort of big bloke we've been talking about, would actually come in, I think, and link well with Angus in the more Ponticelli style. Absolutely. Yeah. He'd be excellent. Absolutely excellent. That's a superb call, that, to be fair. Yeah. I love this from Tony J, who goes for Gary Bennett as well. And I think in terms of an argument for Gary Bennett, this is, this is a clincher. Loads to choose... But Gary Bennett, for me, every time, he'd knock his grandma off the six-yard line to get to the ball and score. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I think that's reasonable Uh, (laughs) and probably true. Phil said Bennett again, so he was really the popular choice. Or Bobby Shinton, both class and brilliant. Shinton, who was a winger slash striker, but quick, tricky, scored a lot of goals in that 77-78 season. Uh, and also Neil Underwood said Bobby Shinton a joy to watch so nice. player who makes things happen um, nice. Nathan Salt oh, yeah. uh, another podcast frenemy <laughs> gives me Juan Ugarte <laughs> easily one of my favourite players on the Wrexham yeah. yeah yeah that, that, that. I thought Juan Ugarte would be more uh, more people would have picked him to be fair yeah I wonder whether it's it's again that division. Are we thinking of someone who fit into this? You know, would you guys yeah. and Angus work together or not? I don't know. Chris Ellis saying Gary Bennett, the best days in the cop. 
Yeah, he, uh, he's he's number one, man. Most most definitely, and yeah. also <laughs> there's a couple of corkers here. Barton Bank says, uh, due to the style of play, Billy Ashcroft, excellent call. Ooh, Big strong. That, that was going to be my pick. Yeah, that was going to be my pick. Oh really? All right. Yeah, yeah. Oops. <laughs> you and Barton Bank. Big, yeah. strong target man, but also a goal scorer. Yeah. Terrifying player to play against. Yeah, um, he, he, look, he, he looked terrifying as well, didn't yeah. he? He looked like a big, big bloke. <laughs> yeah, you don't mess with him. I don't remember <laughs> him from Wrexham. I started watching Wrexham the season after he left. Hmm. But I do remember him playing for Middlesbrough. I'm just thinking, ooh, I wouldn't want to <laughs> upset him. You know? No. No. <laughs> um, Another member of the media team, James Harrison, said, based on your passion for him, that's me, and as he's not been mentioned yet, Jim Steele. Yay, Jim Steele. Yeah. I love Jim Steele, as, as anybody knows who's listened to me speak for... If I speak for more than five minutes, Jim Steele will come up. Proper, terrifying, physical centre-forwards. Uh, Dior Angus would love playing alongside him, because <laughs> he does leave a trail of destruction, <laughs> and Angus could tiptoe through the debris and score... Um, and as well, I've, I've left this till last because I just think um, the only response to this is, well, yeah, obviously. And it's somebody that we mentioned before. Spirit of 78 says, Tommy Bamford, 201 goals in 241 games. I think that's a fairly go. conclusive argument, that, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd settle for a goal a game, wouldn't we? I suspect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it would do. <laughs> a couple of late ones, just, just having a little look as well this morning, just before we started recording. Another vote for Ugarte uh, from Martin saying, um, he always had me off my seat whenever he got near the ball. Yeah, dangerous, dangerous player, Ugarte. Real goal sniffer. Now, your call is Ashcroft, is it? Yes, it was. Well, I've. I had a few in mind, so I, I didn't really want to pick, you know, I thought more people would have picked Juan Yagate or Lee Trundle. I'm surprised it's been Andy Morales either, um, yeah. which, which, is, which has shocked me. But I was going to go for Ashcroft because, you know, look at his goal, his goal, games to goals ratio was actually pretty good. Mm. And he was a big target man who scored goals, which is sort of what like Kwame Thomas is like. That's that was that was my thinking. He, I think, thought he would be slot in. Another one I thought of was Proctor, Michael Proctor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked him yeah. when he played. Jake Spate, I thought would have been yeah. said a bit more with his games to go ratio. But if I was to pick one, it was it would probably be uh, yeah, Billy Ashcroft, mm-hmm. just because I think he would scare centre backs playing against him this day and age. Yeah, and. <laughs> He'd be very good with his hold-up play. Who's yours then, Mark? Um, well, I'll say first, Proctor and, and um, Spater, really interesting calls, yeah. because they, they're both goal scorers, but they were quite good back-to-goal, which I yeah. would say Angus, that's not his strength. So you get that that sort of complementary style between the yes. two. So does that be interesting, that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um. I was thinking about people like Ashcroft. I was thinking about Jim Steele as well, to be honest. And then looking back, you know, I mean, have we made enough of a case for Dixie 
he was another one who could both score yeah. goals and, and and do the hard yards. I'm I'm tempted. Oh, decisions, decisions. I was going to say morale, but then you've stole my thunder there. But morale oh. could do a bit of everything, couldn't he? Yeah. Morale could yeah. play as the, the target man, could rough defenders up, could hold the ball up, could challenge in the air and work for other people, as we saw yeah. most famously in that game where Lee Jones scored five goals, but Morale was possibly man of the match because he was yeah. just phenomenal doing all that work for Jones. And then the season after, he becomes the goal scorer. Um, so I'd be, I, I think in... in if I was going to plump, I'd go for morale. But seeing as I want to try and think of someone original, John Walters has passed through my mind as a sort of selfless, hard-working, yeah. Kwame Thomas-type player. Um, uh, for Lee McEvely has passed through my mind a little less, but he was went on his day when he wanted to really sort of turn it on. Um, he would do so. He did. He right now, wouldn't he? I think anyone would do right oh, yeah. now. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that. Um, yeah. I mean, can I come up with some crazy name? Oh, 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 and then all of a sudden it came to me. Can I have Steve Watkin, please? Oh, yeah. Back right. to goal. Superb player, back to goal. Um, was able to score goals. Was able to make partnerships. He and Gary Benz, of course, famously were a brilliant partnership. Um, but people forget because... Watkin sort of sacrificed himself for Bennett a bit, I think, to be fair. You know, Bennett scored yeah. phenomenal goals, you know, scored over 40 goals in one season. Um, Watkin didn't score that many in those seasons because he was doing such hard work for Bennett. But it, it's easily forgotten that Bennett's first season is our promotion season and Watkin outscored him in that season. So Watkin certainly was oh, right. good in front of goal. Um, I've just looked up, and by this is this is complete coincidence, by the way. I had a lot of stickers on the cover of my laptop. Uh, then my laptop broke, so I've damaged some of the stickers. I'm upset to say, but I've just looked up, and I've seen my Gary Bennett, Steve Watkin damaged Panini sticker. <laughs> it's a message. Oh, well, class. There's one other name I want to throw out there, although I, I'm going to stick with Watkin. Carl Connolly played a lot of football up front through the middle. And yeah, I was yeah. identified a lot as a left winger, but he played a lot of his Wrexham career through the middle and scored a hell of a lot of goals. And, okay, not an orthodox striker in, in a lot of ways, but excellent in the air, skillful. Um, and like I said, I think maybe a bit unpredictable in a way to play with. You know, he was very much a player who'd make things happen, creative, spark things off. And sometimes I think he didn't know when or if the pass was coming because he was trying to do something. But having said that, what a player. So I, I think, yeah, yeah, Watkin or Connolly, either of those, I think, well, would definitely I've, like to put a glass into our side up front. I've got, I've, I've got one more, Neil Roberts. Of course. Yeah. Strong. You'd be a good one. Yeah. Fantastic choice. Yeah, yeah. A leader. Yeah, yeah. I think, and as we, as I said previously, I think anyone will do at the moment uh, mm. <laughs> uh, because it is a re it is quite a unique striker crisis that we're going through at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But I think any of those players that I mentioned would be a good would be a good shout. But if 
Dragnet as a whole had to pick one, what, who is it going to be? Morale. Yeah, I agree, Morale. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Hat Dragon Hat picks Morel to come <laughs> yes, see us. <laughs> I am um, <laughs> and I also it, it this leads us to next week. Although I did say this last week and I we haven't followed it yeah. through. Last week we said we'd look at players who maybe went we got rid of after a season who maybe with hindsight we might have been able to get more out of. Um and we didn't do it this week simply because <laughs> the striker idea occurred to you and it's a great yeah. one. I mean, he's do it now before the yeah. striker crisis passes. But next week, I think we will look at that. Players we got rid of too soon. Maybe not just after one season, but there's players that you think of who, oh, maybe even at the time you thought, yeah, all right, he's gone now, fair enough. But a player like Andy Bishop would be incredibly handy yeah. to throw into this situation. Um, player like Wes York, frankly, yeah. you know, would be handy to have in this situation. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone Even really was someone doing... like Pogba or someone who can just play up front. You can just Pogba? chuck up front. You, yeah. you, you know, uh, we need Mangum. someone. Hope, yeah, yeah, Mangum. You know, I've heard we may have some trialists coming in. I don't know how true that is, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm uh, let let's just hope we get someone, or let's hope. Ponticelli comes back and maybe this it won't be such a big crap. Ponticelli comes back and he's fine for the rest of the season. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's yeah. let's certainly hope so. Now, yeah. let's move on to another ex-striker and one who, frankly, had a frustrating time at Wrexham, but it wasn't for want of trying. Jason Oswell left us in the summer after well, about one and a half seasons in which he certainly put a, a lot of endeavour in uh, to playing for the club. Didn't quite come off for him, but uh, let's have a little listen to what he recalls of his time at the racecourse. I'm Fiaker Kelleher, and you're listening to Dragon Heart Radio Show. Well, Jason, firstly, thank you so much for joining us. It's really, really good of you. Um, I, I always, well, <laughs> I always felt a bit, sympathetic towards you. I, I thought in many ways you didn't get the chances to properly show what you could do, uh, especially because, if I understand right, you know, we were looking at you for a long time before you actually arrived, and you know, it seemed like club were interested in you for a while. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, my time at Wrexham didn't go quite how, how I wanted it to. Um, it's, it's a massive club, and I'm, I'm proud to have played for Direction. Um, obviously, when I came in, I didn't hit the ground running. But then, I think there's a few things that that didn't go my my way. Um, one being that I think that the player that they were after may not have been the style that I really was at that time. Um, I, I see myself as a as a target man, and I, I need people running beyond me. Um, and I was very often asked to be kind of on the back shoulder of the defender, which isn't my game really, but I'm happy to do that if if, if it's for the team. Um, so yeah, I've got to take some responsibility because I don't feel like I was at my best. But like you say, I don't think I was necessarily put into the position where I could flourish as much as what I've done at other clubs. 
I mean, it was it was tricky for you at the start, I thought, because um, your first couple of starts we're playing like inverted wingers. You've got, you know, Paul Rutherford's playing, coming inside. You've got Bobby Grant's coming inside and, you know, somebody with your strength in the air as well. If you've got wingers sticking crosses in, you're more likely to get in the end of them. And instead, they're coming inside to link up more. And then you, you picked up a little injury as well. And it sort of, it seemed cruel to me, you know, it's a start, sort of stuttering start for you. Yeah, I think sometimes with the, the, um, the inverted wingers, mm. you need somebody who's going to stretch the back line. Mm. Um, and very often I was asked to do that. And to be honest, I, I've learned a lot from the experience because I know myself now that when I'm signing for a team, if somebody says to me, you're going to be a target man linking up play and somebody's going to be running in beyond you, then that's what I need. Whereas maybe mm. at, at the time I wasn't quite aware of that as what I am now really. Yeah, um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone's necessarily to blame for that. I just oh, think no. that it's it's just the way that it was and the way that the team were playing. The, t- the team seems to have a strategy that was playing that was going pretty well for them. Um, I mean, the other thing that that may have um, when I came in in January, I was told that I'd be the main man and things like that, and then um, they signed a very similar player to me. Yeah. Um, in Cole Stockton and to me after everything that I've been told it's almost like they're hedging the bets a little bit mm. and that's that's completely fair enough once again but I don't think that they put all their eggs in one basket um, and allowed me to flourish like I say like, like, I, like I may could have done mm-hmm. Well actually that was what I was just about to say as well because yeah, your first game is at Bromley and the team doesn't perform and then the second game was as a FA Trophy game, and they shift it around a bit, and they played you and Cole together up front. And that was the point where I was sitting there thinking, "But you're very, very similar to me playing up front." It, it, you know, you yeah. can see that wasn't really going to gel. Um, when you finally yeah. got a bit of a run in the team, uh, you know, I mean, eight starts in a, in a row. Well, the end of the season, eight starts, four assists, you know, a goal as well. Um, you know, I mean. I would argue that it, you, you bedded in pretty well. I loved your celebration when you scored that goal against Harrogus. You know, like sort of a, it was like a relieved celebration as much as anything else. We were loving it, commentating. We were so pleased for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I, I think I think um, the fans and that will look back at my time and say that he didn't really do anything. It didn't really work. But I think I rocked up seven or eight assists. I had three goals, and I probably I don't know how many starts I actually had. I think I had. 33 appearances overall, something like that. But I think probably 15 of them were the last two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I probably only got about 10 starts. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe 10, 15 um, starts, something like that. 16, I make it, in all competitions. 16. But then that's not many, yeah. <laughs> so to be fair. You know. Yeah. So, so if, if you're taking out like the, the Iron Brew Cup, for example, yeah. the FA Trophy, then there's not that many league starts in there. Um, and when I did get a run, when... Um, it was it was towards the end of um, when Brian Hughes was there. I felt like I was just gaining momentum then. I mm. scored against uh, Maidenhead, scored against Fylde, which was probably the best game that I played in, to be fair. But then yeah. once again, it was just broken up. So it, I don't know. I just never got quite going. And like I say, I, I've got to take um, some blame for that because I wasn't at, at my very best. Um, and just a few factors as to, what, to why um, that was. I mean, yeah, considering, as you say, you were, you were brought in being told you're the main striker, and that was certainly the perception 
for everyone outside, you know, the actual running of the club. You know, we, we, we thought, yeah, you're clearly the, the main man you brought, we brought in here to give us a boost. You know, it, it does seem yeah. harsh that I just double-checked then, 16 starts in the league. And, and they've let you go. I mean, that's, right, okay. yeah. you know, it's unlucky, isn't it? It's a third of a season, isn't it, essentially? Yeah, but then I, I'd also say that as soon as I, I came in, I knew that I almost wasn't the man for the role that they wanted. Yeah. Um, and I, I, um, I gave it my all. I tried as to be that role. Mm. But like I say, that, that's not for me. If you put me in a team that's going to be a bit more direct, yeah. pick up the pieces from me and things like that, then that's okay. But Wrexham were trying to play quite expansive football. Um, and I'd say that I'm a bit more old school in the, in the way that I play, more direct, more battling, headers, um, crosses, that type of football rather than, yeah, more expansive playing through lines and things like that. It's, um, I've got, I wanted to ask you about how that, team under Brian Hughes in the first half season you were with as well because I had a bit of a theory about that team um, because for a few years beforehand Wrexham had sort of played nice football but struggled to score and struggled to make enough chances and I always had that feeling in, in that second half of that season that often I think Brian Hughes had recognised that and there was a sort of and I, I don't mean this to sound funny about him at all but a sort of desperation when we went behind of we need to really throw bodies forwards now so you, you, we almost seem to play you know if we went behind we played the second half almost like it was five minutes to go I mean the classic example is that Ebbsfleet game um, where we're just throwing loads of stuff forwards and that's, that's a difficult environment for a striker to be in yeah it was was that away? Yeah, that was yeah that was that when we were 3-0 down at half time and, or two, and then yeah. nearly came back and got a point yeah, so I, th- I think I came on at half time there. Yeah. Um, and that, to be honest, that's the type of football that I like to play. Yeah, like, yeah. get it in the opposition half, um, uh, play off the, the second, and then play in their third rather than doing that further back and playing across the back and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm not the manager at the end of the day. And I've got, <laughs> got to, it's my responsibility to fit into a team um, and, and, make a good impression in that respect so like I say Brian Hughes I couldn't say a bad word about him he he was really good to me he was always honest he always said what I need to do to to improve Um, the same with with Dean Keats Um, it was their decision at the end of the day sometimes you just prefer one player over another and I think that was that was the case really yeah, yeah, yes. I remember that game very clearly. You, you and Stuart Bevan caused all sorts of problems at at Ebbsfleet, exactly. <laughs> and you nearly, yeah. and then you nearly scored an equaliser with a back heel. I remember that was a, it was so unlucky. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I think that there was a few bits of luck where if one or two things goes in, like for example, uh, I think I think uh, Chrissy Holroyd at, at home, mm-hmm. he um, he finished. Um, on the line, one of my headers, and he got offside for it. Um, and yeah. just just little thing, just little things that yeah. I think add add up my time um, well. In that it just it just didn't click. And yeah. sometimes yeah. at certain clubs, it just it just doesn't. I mean, the next season, you sort of didn't get at the start of the season. You didn't really get it going until JJ Hooper got injured. Um, but once you got in, like you said, you got that run under Brian Hughes. And then Brian Flynn, he played in 
Keats's first game as well, and and things are going pretty well there as well. You know, seven starts in a row, few assists, yeah. goals. Yeah. That, that Files game, it's ironic, isn't it? It's the games where we actually sort of let our hair down and went for it, like Ebsley's and Files, where we actually got the best out of you. To me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, like, even in Dean Keats' first game, I think I'd, I'd put an outside of the foot cross in mm. um, to Bobby, and he scored. But then. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just felt like I was um, the easy target to kind of um, leave out of the team. Mm-hmm. But what, once again, I think when you first go into a club, I think you've got to hit the ground running as a striker, especially to make yourself the main man, to make yourself um, yeah the number one. And I just didn't do that um, at the start. And I think if, if you do score in your first one or two games and the fans love it mm-hmm. and the, it's just it just gives a, a striker a boost. Um, I think wh- when you're not scoring as a striker, even if you're assisting or or making an impact for the team, it's it's important to score. You need to score, yeah. and it's 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 an easy fact to say. Well, you played thirty games and you've only scored three goals, so you're out of the team, and that's that's completely fair. Yeah. To be fair, though, I, th- I think the fans liked you because no matter what happened in front of goal. You, you, I mean, your work rate was fantastic. Fans, I think, always like see a big man knocking the other side centre backs around a bit. But your work rate, you know, I think really endeared yourself to the fans. And there's a soft spot for you. Yeah, I think the fans were always good to me as well. Um, they're a great set of fans. Like, obviously, the, the, the club deserves to be a lot higher than what it is, the, the stature of it. Um, but yeah, I think. All I can say about myself is that I'd always give my all. And if it doesn't quite work out, then I can't ever look back and say I should have done this yeah. or I should have done that. Um, I think I think it shows that over the 18 months that I was there, I was never out of the team for a long time because I was always training every day to be better and, and make sure that whoever's on, whoever's on the pitch, I'm after their position. And um, I, I, I'm 90% sure I'd have started in the, the game where we went into lockdown. So once again, I'd have been back in the starting lineup. Um, maybe a few more games and I could have scored a few more goals and things would have been different. But um, yeah, th- things, things have turned out good anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with my time there, even though it, uh, it didn't quite work out. Well, I'll tell you something, a quite unorthodox thing that I thought you were really good at. If there were a couple of minutes left, you were the best man to have on the pitch because, my goodness, you could hold that ball up. And I remember a few games where we're winning and you'll have that ball down the flank, not even getting into the corner flag, and they just can't get it off you. And I was, I'll tell you what, you're, you're, the, you're the game management specialist, you are. That's fantastic to have. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of games. Um, I, I, can't, I can't remember which one it was, but I can remember me and um, Jenna, he was almost throwing the ball to me and I was nodding it back to him and then he was giving it back to me and, yeah. Yeah, in, <laughs> important times in games, though, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah. like I say, I, I was always for the team, even if it meant coming on for those two minutes and doing that job. If it meant a win, then happy days. Yeah, and, and now, as you said, you know, you, you're doing some interesting stuff, you're diversifying, aren't you? Doing a few, a few different irons in the fire, if you like. Yeah, so I think when I went back pro, sometimes, um, if it's all football, sometimes I overthink it a little bit. Mm. and. I do like having different things to focus on. And so 
I've got my my um, own physio practice that I'm building up. I'm doing my sports physio uh, masters from Bath, um, and then I'm obviously still playing part time footy as well, which has now stopped. But um, yeah, enjoy enjoying just the the diversity, like you say. Is is it difficult to move from part time to full time? Uh, you know, I mean, I can say I suppose in terms of approach, like you're saying, it's different. Um, you know, fans have this idea that part-time teams don't train properly. You know, my understanding is that's that's not really the case. Um, but I, I know some players. That my personally came to us from Heston. Took about you know good part of a season to really get into the swing of being a full-time player. How did you find it? Yeah, I would say that it, it's very different. I, I I like the part-time because I like doing a lot of my own stuff, and I know that. I know what gets the best out of me in a way. Whereas when you're full-time, it's almost you you have to in, be incorporated into the training every day, which everybody else does. And sometimes for my body, I think different things sometimes get, get the best out of me. I, I've never felt fitter going full-time than what I do part-time. Mm. Um, and I'd say, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's anything really in professional that makes me feel better on the pitch mm. than than part-time um whereas i know that some people if they went to part-time they'd feel completely different than what they do training every day yeah. oh fascinating you're, you're backing my theory up here fans always think it's very different and when i ask pros who experience both they very often say no it's not that different at all that's really interesting <laughs> well jason can i just say thank you so much for joining us because it's been a pleasure to speak to you i, I, I do feel that you know if luck had been with you a bit more then I think things could have turned out massively differently. Uh, but nobody could ever doubt the amount of hard work and effort you put in. And, and the fans certainly appreciated that. So thank you so much. Cheers, Mark. That, that means a lot. Yeah, Jason Oswell, lovely bloke. And a player who I think was a bit unlucky. Dean Keats, I know, was looking at him in his first spell. I think he'd come into that team. He might have had more of a chance to succeed than when he came into a side that was losing a bit of confidence. Uh, yeah. I think Jason is an example, I don't know, circumstances can be so important to a player, can't they, when you come into a new club? Yeah, yeah. sort of like Josh Johnson, wasn't it? When he yeah. came in, it didn't really work because of the circumstances. Being in poor teams doesn't help, does it? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so many good players came in during that bad spell when we dropped out of the National League. Yeah, you're quite right. And, and yeah. if they'd come into yeah. a different setup, would have thrived. Some were discarded too easily, but some, I yeah. think, just weren't able to perform because the whole team wasn't operating well. So, yeah, yeah absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope that we can sort out our striker crisis. We won't have done, it doesn't look like, by the time of the Stockport match, but listen out for our Stockport preview because we'll be previewing that game, won't we? And as always, subscribe, review, like, all those things you can do to all the media team's work and help the club to build up a profile and to build up a bit of cash for the club as well. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, Jay, as always. I've, I've enjoyed this one, Mark. Let's, let's hope things aren't so me for the next one. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's made 250 appearances for Exum. And now here, another glorious landmark for Jay Harris. It's his 28th Hollywood send-off. 
This is Jay Harris, and you're listening to Dragon Heart Radio. <laughs> this is the final whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.